Well, good morning, Hope Church. It is uh, super awesome, super excited to be with you all the way from Tennessee. Uh, like David said, we're excited for what the Lord's going to do through camp this summer. And so for the past four days, uh, this is my first time in Utah, so I've gotten the whirlwind Utah tour, um, which it's beautiful here, by the way. I mean, I know you know that, but I didn't know that. You know, coming from Tennessee, everything's flat. So uh, just stepping outside of uh, the Mexican restaurant yesterday and you look up and you see mountains everywhere, like that's such a great reminder of how awesome our God is and how um, beautifully he designs things and designs us uh, as well. And so excited to be here. Um, ben asked if I was willing to speak this morning. I said, hey, I cannot uh, miss an opportunity uh, to read God's word with my brothers and sisters and friends in Utah. So thank you for uh, giving me this opportunity. And um, really, honestly, I was struggling <laughs> to come up with uh, what the Lord was trying to get me to say uh, this morning. It was um, just praying and asking and praying and asking and uh, being confident that he was going to, to provide like he always does. Um, but it was, it was a struggle. Uh, and really, the Lord has used this uh, to encourage me. Um, he knew I needed, needed that before I knew that I needed that. Um, and so the Lord just said, hey, God said, be encouraged yourself, Ross, and then take the encouragement and the truth of my word uh, to my people, and let's be encouraged together. Uh, and so however you read God's word, whether that is through turning or tapping, uh, will be in Hebrews chapter 13 this morning, um, starting at verse 5. Um, and the, the way that the Lord is using this to encourage me uh, is he just said, hey, Ross, you keep your eyes on the world around you too much. So the Lord said to me, he said, you look at the things that are happening around you too often. Uh, and I was like, man, that, that's so true, because I can uh, be focused on the uncertainty of the world around us, how the world around us changes every single day. And that can cause me personally to become fearful, to become anxious, to, to, to not trust uh, uh, to trust myself even more than I trust God. And that result is dangerous for me because when I look at the world around me and I become focused on that uncertainty, uh, it messes with my thoughts. It messes with my, my mind. It messes with my heart. It is a huge distraction in my life. And so this verse in Hebrews 13, which we'll get to in a second, has been such an encouragement to me because it reminds me that the world around me should not be my focus. But yeah, I'm invited to focus on Jesus, God the Son, and anchor everything about my life into that. But it, it, I don't know if you've come to this experience, but the world around it, it's crazy. It's wild. Like, I, there's no figuring it out in our human wisdom. There's no figuring it out. You saw my uh, son on the picture earlier. He's 11 months old, and it's our first child, and parenting is difficult. Parenting is not easy. Like, you guys didn't tell me 11 months ago before to be prepared uh, for just things that you could never, ever imagine. Like, I didn't know for six months I'd never sleep. I didn't know that. You told me. I didn't know there was going to be something new that my son was doing that I was going to have to figure out how to navigate. Like, now he climbs in the fireplace all the time for no reason. Like, who does that? He does. So I got to figure out how to, how to work with that, right? Uh, and, and parenting is difficult. And, and, and adding that on to uh, marriage, that's an extra pressure. Like, that's an extra something that can make things really awesome, but also make things really difficult. 
Like you're sacrificing now. I had to sacrifice for my wife and sacrifice for my son. Like, God, are you sure that's what, what, how am I going to do this? Like, but I can start thinking about that and, and become fearful or become frustrated. Um, it happens. You know, I, I have the opportunity to work with uh, middle school students and a little bit of high school students. Like, uh, is there any, are there any middle school students or high school students in here? No? They're in, they're in service, right? They're in Sweet, so I can talk about them. All right, listen. <laughs> There's something wrong with middle school and high school students. The brain's not quite all there yet, all right? Which we'll, we'll let them off. That's something that we've all been through. But I, I said this to them on uh, Thursday. I think that this generation has it harder than perhaps any generation ever because of the information that is out there that they're being bombarded with every single day, the temptations that they're encountering at an early age than ever before, uh, the social media, the things that they, that they come into contact with, that even if they don't have, their friends have, and, and then that's another uh, pressure on them, and they're having to work through these things at a way younger age than they, they should have to. So it's difficult. The information that's out there, most, most of it is incorrect. It doesn't line up with God's word, and yet it's being spoken to them and being given to them, and it's all around them. And so it's difficult. And so having to, or having the opportunity to speak to them and to love them and walk with them, it can be taxing, it can be tiring, it can be hard. And so if you're like me, you have your own fears and your own concerns, and And if it weren't for Jesus, it would be bad. But praise God that he sent God the Son, Jesus Christ, to earth to live a perfect life, to be the way, to be the truth, to be the life, to be the one that holds everything we have and never lets it go and never fails. And so... Our thought today is that just that in an ever-changing world, the good news for us is that Jesus is the same, and he always will be. So Hebrews 13, verse 5, it says this, Do not love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Now, the author of Hebrews is saying, hey, don't, don't search for anything else. Search for me. Be satisfied with me. I am God. I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. And so we can say with confidence, verse 6, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Man, I, I trend toward being so afraid of what people think about me and what people say about me and how people feel about me and pleasing people. I I'm so tempted to focus on that. But this verse says, hey, the Lord is my helper. The Lord is with me. Why should I fear any person? I already know what God says about me and who he, how he feels about me. That's the ultimate. And so we can say that with confidence. The Lord is my helper. That's what I'm holding on to. Verse 7, remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. So he says, as the people that have told you the word of God, have faith, have faith like them. Grow in your faith. Stay anchored in what you believe about Jesus. And then verse 8. And this phrase has been playing over and over and over and over and over again in my mind because I need to be reminded that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God the Son is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The only reason that Jesus can be the same for, throughout all times is because he is God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if our hope is built on Jesus, if our joy is built on Jesus, if our peace is connected to Jesus, if our life is built on Jesus, if we depend on Jesus for every decision, for every choice, every day, every moment, if our relationship with Jesus is ultimate, if it's what we're focusing on, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then I have no reason to fear because I depend on him and not myself. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. He never changes. And so 2,000 years ago, yesterday, we're going to call that yesterday. 2,000 years ago, what was Jesus? Jesus was enough. Jesus was enough. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He said, I'm not enough. He said, there's nothing that you have to add to a relationship with me to get to God. That's it. Believe in me. Believe in what I have done. Trust in me, and you will have new life. You will be forgiven. I am the way. I am the true, and I am the life. Jesus is enough. God the Son is enough. That's it. But sometimes we're, we're tempted to add other things to that. I'm tempted to add other things to that. Like, God, what can I do like, what, 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 what do you want me to say? What do you want me to work out? Like, how can I add to what Jesus has done? But Jesus says, no, I am enough. And the question God asked me, he said, Ross, if Jesus did the greatest act in human history, God the Son came to earth, lived a perfect life, never sinned, and then instead of living forever as he should have because he had no sin, he got on a cross, took the sin of the world on himself, and died, sacrificing himself for us, and then didn't stay dead. God raised him back to life three days later, proving that he had victory over sin, over death, over the enemy. And then Jesus, after those three days, appeared to his followers and then went up to heaven where he is still alive, reigning and ruling in heaven. If Jesus was able to do that by himself, why do you think that he needs your help? Why do you think that you need to earn forgiveness? Jesus has already taken care of that once and for all. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But why do you think that you need to help him? You don't. You have nothing to offer him other than everything in your life. Give it to him and trust him with that because he's already proven that he's trustworthy. He's taken care of my sin. I know I can trust him with everything else. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough, but also it's great news that Jesus is alive. He was alive 2,000 years ago. He's alive today, and forever he's going to be alive. You know who won't be alive forever? The enemy. The enemy won't be alive forever. One day, Jesus is going to conquer Satan and get rid of him once and for all. And so we won't have to deal with the temptation and the sin that we still deal with. But if we're in Jesus, we will reign and rule with him forever because Jesus is alive. I know last week you talked about the ascension, and and Ben and I were in the car just thinking about how awesome it is that Jesus is alive and he's in heaven well, we were thinking, what is he doing there in heaven? Like he's ruling, reigning. 
has is elevated to the, the place that he deserves, but he's doing something amazing for us. Hebrews 4, 14. Because Jesus is alive, then we have a great high priest who entered heaven. Jesus, God the Son. Let us hold firmly because he is alive to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Jesus knows how we feel. He understands our weakness. Sometimes when we're struggling through things, the enemy tries to convince us that we're alone, that we're the only person that's ever gone through it, that we're the only person that has weakness, that we can only handle it by ourselves, but we know that we can't really handle it by ourselves. That's why he tries to convince us, but this verse reminds us that Jesus understands our every weakness because while he was on earth, he faced every testing that we do, yet he did not sin. So he is there for us to, to lean on, for him to give us the strength and the power to make it through those testings because he knows how hard it is and he's going to supply us with the grace that we need. That's what the next verse says. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. When we're struggling, let's go straight to God. We've made that mistake that we made over and over again. Let's come straight to God. Not with shame, but expecting for us to get, for him to give us grace and mercy. There we will receive his mercy. We will find his grace to help us when we need it most. And then when you connect that with Hebrews 7.25, it's like, oh, man. Wow. Because Jesus lives forever, Hebrews 7.25, therefore he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He's enough. He always will be. And what is he doing while he's, he, he's in heaven? He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf, on our behalf. The people that will come to God through Jesus, he is up in heaven sitting at the right hand of God, talking to God about us. So that means he sees us. Like not just this room of believers. He sees you individually. And you know what he's saying? He's saying, hey, God, look. Hey, there's your son down there. He's struggling. He needs your grace. He needs your mercy. You see him. You love him. Please provide him with what you need. Jesus is interceding on, on our behalf. He's saying, hey, there's Ross. He's, that, he's coming up in battle against that sin. He's being tempted, Lord. I know how hard that is. That's what God, Jesus is saying. I know how hard that is, Lord. Please help him. Give him what he needs. Give him his, the grace that he needs to be able to battle this temptation, to be able to fight against it. He's speaking to God about you, for you. He sees you. He loves you. He cares for you. He's praying for you when you don't know how to pray. He's praying to God for you. He's saying, God, help them. God, I see them, I love them, help them. You see them, be faithful to them, love them, care for them. Jesus is interceding on our behalf. Not only has he done every bit of work necessary for us to be forgiven from our sins, he sits in heaven and he's still working on our behalf, each of us individually, because he loves us so much. And he was the same. He was doing that 2,000 years ago. He's doing that today. He's going to do that tomorrow. No matter what mistake you made, no matter what you think about yourself, he is doing that for you because he loves you. And what he says about you matters most. He's interceding for us on our behalf. Jesus is enough. I don't need to add anything else. Jesus is alive and will always be alive. That's why, that's why we can trust him. 
because we know he's never going to fail. He will reign victorious forever and ever and ever. And so all he says is, hey, trust me. Anchor with me. Trust me. Uh, my, my wife, um, Lindsay, saw her on the picture, uh, she, uh, we moved about a year ago, and so we've been in the process of buying furniture. Furniture is expensive. Um, I didn't realize because I, you know, just had the same couch for like 10 years when I lived by myself. It's normal, you know, and nobody's worried about that. Uh, but she's, she was in the middle of buying new furniture for our house, uh, and she's really good at Facebook Marketplace, um, which has its, like, positives and negatives. Uh, one, in, like, the furniture that she wants is much cheaper when it's used. Uh, the negative is, like, it can be sketchy sometimes. You never know if you're like, going to get robbed. or I don't, yeah. I don't do it, so she, I'll, leave, I'll leave it up to her. Uh, well, that's not true. I mean, I make sure she doesn't get robbed. Let me just say that. Oh, I hope, hope she's not watching. Okay, anyway. Um, but she was, uh, this past weekend, she was picking up uh, a couple of pieces of furniture um, near her, her parents' house while I was here. Uh, and she said, babe, you'll never believe this house that was selling uh, us this furniture. It's huge, it's beautiful, the people are moving. So they just said, we're gonna sell the furniture and buy new furniture. She was like, they have to have a lot of money. And I was like, okay, you know, that's cool, you know. And then she sends me the listing for the house. (laughs) I don't know if you're like me, but whenever I see a listing for a house in 2022, the first thing I do, I don't care about how many bathrooms, I don't care about how many bedrooms, I don't care what the house even looks like. I want to see how much money they bought the house for and how much they're selling it for. All right? That's just where I go. That's probably completely unhealthy, very bad, but that's what I do. So I open up this listing, and I see that last year they bought this house for $1.1 million, and this year they're selling the house for $1.6 million. And I said, Lord, I've seen what you've done for others. Could you just imagine what I would do for your kingdom with $1.6 million, Lord? Why not me? But then I was reminded of the beginning of this verse. Like, be content with what you have, Ross. Like, God was like, if you had $1.6 million, you, you wouldn't depend on me. You wouldn't pray. You would think you didn't need me. You would depend on what you can do and what you have. And that's why he begins the section of Hebrews are saying, keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. God knows that that will never, ever satisfy us. That pursuit will never fulfill us. That will never lead us to forgiveness. That will never lead us to salvation. That will never lead us to, to the, lasting, the lasting value of being part of God's kingdom and then working. And even though God doesn't need us, he allows us to be part of of being a part of his kingdom, he knows that I would be, I'd be useless with $1.6 million. <laughs> but it's actually amazing because I've gotten so, so much more. So much more. Not because of me, but because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, I was thinking about Jesus being alive and what that means for our life. Jesus being alive reminds us that there's a plan for our pain. Jesus being alive reminds us that there's a plan for our pain because I think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying to God. God, the son's praying to God the Father. He's saying, Father, will you, 
will you take this cup of suffering from me? Like he's hurting so bad, thinking about what's to come, that he's bleeding drops, or he's sweating drops of blood because he's in so much agony looking forward to what's about to happen at the cross. And he says, God, Father, if you would change this plan, if you would take this cup of suffering from me, I I would love it if you would do it. But still, if not, your will be done. And God sees his son, fully God, fully man. He sees him on earth and he says, no, this is the plan. Your pain is the plan. This is the way that we will rescue the world from their sins. This is the way we can be in relationship with with you and me. This is the plan. And so I know that the same is true for us. And I know that when we're in the middle of the pain, it's difficult. We're saying, God, I don't know what, what is the reason for this. What are you showing me in this? When will you remove this from me? That's the question. What is the purpose of this pain? But it reminds us that because Jesus is alive, he went through that pain. And then ultimately he was exalted that we can trust God in the middle of our pain that he has a plan. He has a plan. And that's an encouragement for me. When I'm in the, whether it's physical pain or emotional pain or relational pain or whatever it is, that reminds me, God, I just need to trust you. I know that you have a plan. I might not like it in the moment, but I know you have a plan. And Jesus never changing means you're not alone. He's with you. He promises. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He said that when he left earth and went up to heaven. And since he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, that means that will always be true. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never forget you. He will never abandon you. He is with us. Don't feel alone. It's a lie. He's with you. And then lastly, Jesus never changing means we can keep going. We can keep going. Galatians 6, 9. So let us not get tired of doing what is good. At the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Let us not get tired of doing good. I have a student um, uh, in our ministry who was invited to um, middle school ministry by a friend of hers. She had never been to church before. Um, the first Sunday or the first Wednesday after service, uh, she texts me. We put our number up so we can pray for students and you know help them in their in their journey. And so she texts me. She said, "Hey, I think that God wants a relationship with me." And I was like, "Hey." This is great. It must have been a great message. Like first time in church and you got that. Like that's God has revealed something to you. That's awesome. And so we're talking about talking back and forth, having the conversation. And all of a sudden she ghosts me one day. Like I'm like, Marley, are you there? Hello? Do you have any more questions? Like, how's it going? She doesn't answer for like two, two months. Then randomly, one Wednesday night, I see her again. I'm like, Marley, how's it how's it going? She's like, good, I just had some things going on, you know, something. I was like, what about God and your relationship? She's like, eh, I don't know. Okay, all right, well, I'll keep praying for you, you know, y'all be here. And so later that, that same night, I think it was that night or the next week, she texts me again. She's like, hey, so what, what, like, what is Jesus? Why do we need Jesus? What's going on? I'm like, oh, cool. Here we go, back on the train. Like, so we're texting again and going for about a week. We're messaging back and forth. And then she goes to me again. All right, at this point, I'm getting frustrated. Like, one time, it's okay. Two times, I'm like, come on. Like, I, I can tell you're, you're seeking this information. Like, you're seeking God relationship. I, Let's talk about it. 
And then last month, she had been coming back for a couple of weeks, but not kind of like hiding, like avoiding me, like she didn't really want to talk about it, which is, you know, okay. I'm glad she's there. Super exciting. We did a message about how we were writing out our testimony, our story about how we, we met God and come into a relationship with him and then uh, what he's doing in our life since then. And we invited students that needed help with their testimony to come to the kind of room next to the sanctuary and come up and, and come talk to us. And so the response song after the message is playing, I'm sitting there at the room, nobody's really coming, what's happened sometimes, it's okay, you know, we're worshiping, is great. And I see Marley walking toward me, tears in her eyes. She brought some friends with her that were encouraging her to come down front. And she said, hey, you guys talked about in your testimony about our story about baptism, going public with what we believe about Jesus and our relationship with him. She said, I want to do that, but I know I can't do that until I have a relationship God through Jesus. So she's crying. My associate, we were sitting there. She, we were crying. We're crying because we just could see the faithfulness of God and what he did, and we could celebrate with that, that with him. He didn't need us, but he let us be a part of it, and it was amazing. And that's what this verse is telling us. Let us not get tired of doing what is good because at the right time, when we need it, when God has worked it out, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And because Jesus never changed, because he is the power, he is the provision, he is the way that we're able to do good, we cannot give up because he will work it out. He will do the good thing and we will be able to be a part of reaping the blessing and it'll be awesome. So don't give up. Don't give up. Don't get tired of doing what's good. When you get tired, we will get tired. We will get tired. But keep remembering Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's his power that we run on. So even when we're tired, we can keep pushing. Whatever it is, keep loving your neighbor. Keep sacrificing for the people around you. Keep reaching out to those that you know that, that don't have an interest in God. Keep, keep praying for them. Keep speaking to them. Keep loving on them. Keep doing good. I don't, I don't know. Everyone's good, I think, is a little bit different. I think God has uniquely equipped each one of us to do our good in our own way. Whatever it is, don't get tired of doing it. Keep going. The blessing is coming, whatever that looks like. It also looks different for everyone. For me, it was seeing Marley meet Jesus and the relief and the joy and the excitement in her eyes. That was the reward for me. Whatever it is for you, don't go tired of doing good at the right time, reap harvest. And we can keep going because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, some of us, when we were talking about doing good just a second ago, you're like, man, I know. I know what God's called me to. I know the good that he wants me to do. I know how he's equipped me. I know how I can be a part of building his kingdom. I know how he wants me to serve. Some of you are like, I, I get, I see, I hear, see the verse, I understand, I just don't know. And my prayer for you is that God would lead you and guide you to your good, to the way you can be a part of building God's kingdom. You should definitely ask Ben, ask David, and, and they'll help you to, to align with the way God has uniquely equipped you. I'm sure that they would love to do that. 
And some of us, I remember there was a time in my life I would have heard that verse and I would have said, God wants me to do good. I've got all, of all kinds of other things, other pressures, other concerns to worry about. I'm not really concerned with doing good for God. I'm sure he can do it by himself. That's what I would have said. And I would have said that honestly because I did not understand the love that Jesus has for me. I didn't understand the love that God has for me. I didn't understand I can give God my life, my everything, and he does immeasurably more with that. I didn't understand that. But let me tell you what God has done in my life. Not because of anything about me, but because of God's love, his grace, his mercy. God saw me, Ross, somebody who was very, very far from God, that made decisions that benefited himself and no one else, that lived the way he wanted to live, God saw me and said, I love you. And God said, let me show you how much I love you. I sent my son, God the son, Jesus, to come to earth, never sin, to live a perfect life, but then to choose, to choose to sacrifice himself in the most excruciating, embarrassing way possible, hanging on a cross. And not only did he die, something beneath the surface that was amazing, that was a miracle was happening. He was taking the sin of the world, putting it on himself and dying. See, if Jesus didn't do that, we would not be able to pay for our sin and we would be the ones ultimately that when we left this earth, we would die and be separated from God forever. But because Jesus in our place took our punishment, died for us, that if we believe in him, when we leave this earth, we get to live forever. Not because of anything that we earned or anything that we did, but because Jesus took our place and God is fair. He's not going to punish us twice. Jesus died in our place. And instead of sin on us, his perfection was put on us. And when God sees us, he sees his son's perfection. And the Bible says that all we have to do is say, Jesus, that's the only way for me to be forgiven. The only way to me ha- for me to have a relationship with you is for me to trust what Jesus did. And I don't quite understand everything about what that means, but Lord, I want to give you my life. I want to follow you, Jesus, with everything that I have. I'm not going to get it perfect, but that's the way I want to do. That's what I want to do in my heart and my mind. I want to follow you with my life. And the Bible says, if you do that, you are saved. And once God showed me in his word that that's the way I could be forgiven, I, it clicked. And that's why I want to use my life, my time, my energy to do good. And even when I get tired, which does happen, especially within the 11th month old, it happens. But I can remember that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so because of that, I can keep going. And I hope that you're encouraged as well. That you can keep going because of who Jesus is. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this time. Together with your sons and daughters. And those that want to know more about having a relationship with you. I thank you that it doesn't depend on us, but it's because of Jesus, God, the son 
who gave up everything for us. It's because of him that we can have new life. So I'm thankful, Lord, that Jesus is the same, that he is enough, that he is alive, that he is speaking to God about me and saying, God, that's your son. See him, love him. He's praying for me. When I don't know what to say, Lord, I'm thankful for those reminders, Lord. I pray that we would be dependent on you each and every day more and more, deeper and deeper, Lord, that we would love you more, that we would give up everything for you because we know that in your hands you do amazing things with what we have. And so I thank you for this time, Lord. I pray that you bless this church. I pray that you bless this leadership, Lord. I pray that you bless this community. I know because you're faithful that you're going to continue to do amazing things. So we trust you with that. We claim that from you. And we thank you already for the amazing things that you have done and will continue to do, Lord. And so as we lift our voices and worship you, Lord, I just say thank you. And we give you the glory that you deserve. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.